You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. Today, a slight switch. Um, Our topic is I can't express myself appropriately. And we are here with Teresa in America. Hi, everyone. There's so many ways that I don't express myself appropriately. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, same, same. I was thinking about the same thing. It's like, well, I guess it depends on the day and what's happening and the person. And then I'm just going to go into the spiral of complexity. Yeah. I had a recent situation with some friends and my husband who <laughs> they were talking about me <laughs> and they were saying And Teresa, isn't normal or something like that? Because my husband's telling me back this story. And he's like, he said to them, wait, Teresa's not normal. You guys don't think Teresa's normal? (laughs) And they just looked at him like, like, what world are you living in? (laughs) What world is Teresa normal? And he laughs and he tells me this. And it's so funny because there would have been a time in my life where I would have spiraled and felt ashamed about who I was. Mm. And my inability to express myself back then when I couldn't express myself just look like not talking. Oh, that's interesting. So not you just like shut down. Shut down. Immediate mm-hmm. shutdown. This was me, all my 20s, most of my 30s. And then only when I was very safe or unfortunately, if I was using substances or medication, <laughs> would it unlock the anxiety enough to let me express. And then I, as I went through healing, I found myself fluctuating the other side entirely where once the floodgates opened, now I struggle to not say things. And then I have shame spiral. I can see that. I can see how that one feeds into the other and having to find like a balance. And sometimes that's where I struggled. The, the balance. I think there are clear indicators for me where I may measure myself more, you know, like be much more attentive to what's being said. If it's like a work environment, there's an immediate kind of, hey, pay attention to what's going on. Be even more attentive than you may be because you are in this environment. And then when it kind of fluctuates is when I get into places of high emotion, whether that's like low, you know, feeling sadness, whatever. And then on the other side of that, maybe feeling anger. So it's it's really that that ability to to say, where am I and what can I say? That's 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 where it comes down to for me. Yeah. It totally it reminds me of the concept of masking. Mm-hmm. That we know we can't say certain things in certain places. And it's exhausting. It is. I mean, I, that's what I think back in that time when I didn't say anything. I was masking so hard. Which it, it is really, really exhausting because you really cannot show up as your true self. So now that you've gotten to this place where, like even in the example that you shared, your reaction to your friends being like, not at all normal. Um, <laughs> and you can laugh about it, right? Yeah. And one of the things we talked about in one of the other episodes was around like confidence. I think that's you building your confidence and being like, totally. 
confidence and letting go of shame. Mm. So like as a person who has a lot of intrusive thoughts, that's probably the place where I have a lot of inappropriate sharing. (laughs) I'm so nervous. This is why I'm giggling. (laughs) I'm so afraid I'm going to say something. Say it. It's like you need to say. But you know what? I don't know if you feel this way, but this is why probably like using substances is risky too, because then I have no filter and then I just say things. And if I'm also just saying whatever is in my head and I'm meeting new people, I have to be well enough to caveat it for people. Yes. And I've been in situations, what's funny is I've been in situations where you'll say something out of discomfort and people that don't know you're like, what did you just say? (laughs) And I'm like, it's okay. It's just Teresa. It's not. You know what I'm saying then? You know what I mean? I do, I do. Like you have to contextualize yourself for others so that they are not receiving it in a way that's going to have a negative reaction. But that's partly tied to also how people receive us, right? And sometimes when I when I struggle with this, it's this idea of if if we all are masking, how authentic are we actually being? towards the people that are around us. And if the idea is that I am measuring, I am being very conscientious of what I'm saying, is that a complete mask or or is that just me being respectful of different spaces? I don't know. Like I struggle with that. I do feel like that question you just asked is what we are struggling with in society Mm -hmm. because social media and the internet makes us it gave us the opportunity to show up anonymously and then we would say things that we might not ever say. And then then social media also expects that you're new and fresh and genuine and authentic, you know, mm-hmm. instead of old society, which everybody needed to step in line and be exactly the same so that the wheels of society turned. You know, it's even it's not it's not mind boggling in that it's like something I can't understand, but it's a, a shift in how my experience is very different from younger generations, for instance, you know, where I have children in my life that are 11 and 13, and they're, um, they are existing in the metaverse, right? They have their avatars, and they, they show up in different ways. And I'm like, and I was talking to them about it. And I was like, tell me about that. And they're like, what about it? And I was like, okay, so what happens in these spaces? People talk, you know, very interested in just getting them to just share, right? And they were like, yeah, people can show up however they want. And the reality is we don't know if they're actually showing up as their true self. I was like, huh, okay. I said, so how do you deal with that? Like if you're going to have a friend in that space, they're like, we just have to be cautious about it. So I'm like, interesting how they're navigating even now how to work into that space and how to be able to create relationships. Yeah. So it it really comes back to all this like understanding of environment, the person we're connecting with, and then what ultimately we want to get out of that connection. That's really interesting because then we ask, okay, well, how do I express myself appropriately is tied to what your expectations are about how you're supposed to show up in society. And we know with young people, that's rapidly changing. I'm Mm -hmm. summarizing what you said, you know? Yes, yes. What I feel like is happening is that it's kind of freeing because the younger folks 
also when they say things like, you just show up how you show up. Like a lot of what I hear sometimes from young folks is like, they're like, what's reality anyways? Yeah. <laughs> what is real? <laughs> Why does it matter? Who cares? You know, you can be somebody different tomorrow. <laughs> and you're like, what? That's wild. So we're right. very increasingly shedding Fluid. expectations because mm -hmm. there are no expectations. And I don't, I don't know how that's going to run up against for people who have childhoods where there are still very rigid expectations or maybe this is really hard because I'm speaking and already what I experienced 20 years ago is irrelevant today. And what I say today is irrelevant in two years. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> where <what's> I, relevant. <laughs> when I started kind of thinking about this question and the, this conversation that I had, it made me think about this idea of within the world of like the metaverse and, and everything that exists in that space, there are opportunities for people to show up maybe as their most true self because there's a layer of safety to it. And that doesn't take away from the fact that you are eventually going to have to connect with people in the real world. And what that does is sometimes can they can counteract you know, work against one another, because at the end, these younger folks may not be getting the skills to actually be able to navigate in the same way that we are, which could be seen as masking, you know, could be seen as you not showing up as your true self, but also the recognition for you to function in a society. These are the ways that you do show up. Or something I wonder is like, you can't even know how to show up if you don't know who you are. And that is something I often wonder is if that's going to happen to young people today is that they may not know who they are. And that's why we see more anxiety and we see more depression because who you are and feeling secure in who you are roots yourself in that mm -hmm. security and that identity and the clinician or the like theory and clinician people. There's so much about child development that talks about that just well, you can't express yourself appropriately. Well, it starts with who is yourself? Mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. am I? Do you know who yeah. you are? Do you feel confident in who you are, who you want to be? I can say I can't express myself appropriately, but I no longer feel shame about my inability to express myself inappropriately. And that today it's my job and I'm able to do it because the shame is gone to be able to at least handle the consequences, good or bad, of my inappropriate expression. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It is, it's making me think about this question that you're posing, like about knowing who you are to be able to then say, I can't express myself appropriately, right? And what where that sits for me is this idea of we've talked about justice, right? And this idea of me being able to say what I need to say, because in many spaces, I may have felt that I wasn't allowed to say what I needed to say, right? So then it's kind of like a little battle of me having to be like, okay, I know I'm in this space and I have to say things a certain way, but at the same rate, it's managing that expectation of me, me being able to communicate to you. I'm in disagreement with what you've said, I still like you as an individual, but I don't agree with you and doing it nicely. But it's like honoring 
the spaces where previously I may not have had a voice. Okay. So there's two things. How do I act? Is it appropriate or not appropriate? If you're yelling at people <laughs> or if I just blibber words and then run away, <laughs> this is, or if I never speak up, these are inappropriate. These are, I, I've said for myself, these are inappropriate things I feel. That's one step. I imagine you've had to take pause and say, you know what, me communicating in this way isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's also the leftover, the consequence of the way that people react to you because you've either expressed yourself appropriately or inappropriately based on the way they perceived you. I take that as the consequence. So if you leave out of that situation and you blow up at somebody and you don't do it regularly or repeatedly because you also can recognize that you're making a change and then you can apologize and make a change. Is that what you've gotten to today? Or where are you in your process of trying to navigate the balance as we've described? I think I have gotten to a place where I am better equipped at recognizing when my emotions are leading me in a direction of a negative encounter. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and negative for me is like me raising my voice or mm-hmm. having a raised voice interaction where I'm not controlling, not even controlling, it's like managing how the level of despair or anger that I feel. That's awesome. Because if you do take a step back and you put this in linear order, the more you go down the path, it kind of tells you what you have to do. You know, you're apologizing for all your things, or do you have control in the shame space, which is what I talk, like not having extra shame because that leads you down a path. You're talking about really working at trying to control and understand the front end Mm -hmm. where if you're not, if you're able to slow down enough, then you find yourself not engaging in the reaction behaviors that lead you to express yourself inappropriately. <laughs> yeah, you're like the America translator. Yes, that's exactly what it is. I, I have I to process this live because I'm struggling with this, you know? I have to yeah. talk it out because I'm like, okay, what does all this mean, you know? Are you able to do that even in high-stress environments? Because that's the worst for me. I I can tr- – I like, let's say out of like 10 times – I could, I'm probably at like a four, four out of 10 times I can do that. So I'm working. It's not, you know, 10 out of 10. I got this, you know, not at all. Yeah. But again, it goes back to recognizing why are you so mad? What's making you upset about this? What, what are you saying? Yeah. That's not coming across. So it goes back to like, wait, am I saying the right words? Maybe not. Am I using like a tone that is communicating something that I don't want to communicate? I mean, it sounds like you're focused on irritation that might lead to anger. So you're just like, why am I irritated? Why am I mad? Mm-hmm. And so you, if you catch yourself feeling mad or irritated, you can stop and slow down to say, why? Why are you mad? That's the goal. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like it happens so fast in my brain. It does happen really fast. I mean, I was in a conversation yesterday that I was like, don't say the words that you're thinking right now. That's going to take the conversation in a different direction. And I I had to like, you know, just like stop. Don't say it. And I didn't. So I was super proud of myself. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, we just ha kept having a conversation and then it, it was still sitting back here, you know, the thought that I had. Yeah. Afterwards, I was like, why did you feel the need that you had to share that? Was it going to add something? Okay. I really appreciate this because you're building out what I know are our practices in this particular space. Because what I shared about feeling in my stress times that I'm much less capable of doing what you just described, slowing down, mm -hmm. goes back to really some of our earliest discussions about feeling like a sack of flour or like what's on your table, what's on your plate, mm -hmm. are you weighed down? <laughs> and I could not slow myself down if the table was broken, <laughs> you right. know? and. I would say today my table is shored up way more than before and I'm I'm so much better at sensing that people are putting things on my table and I'm like chucking it off. <laughs> I'm like boom, 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 you know, because I know the consequence of not doing that is that mm -hmm. I'm that I'm going to go down that spiral where I can't hold it in in a way that leaves me feeling shame and going down the kind of apology that has to happen where I will in a negative cycle. Yeah. So the whole spectrum kind of involves to energy, I mean, the amount of energy and stress I have to manage living. Right. And I think how it connects, you know, and what you're saying, your ability to now recognize like my table is full. I can't take this on. That's, that's a skill that you have to pick up. To that point, that means that you're able to not only set better boundaries, but actually enforce the boundaries that you're setting. And then with that, also allow yourself to recognize it's okay if you if you slip up from time to time, because this isn't, my communication would be fabulous if I never had to struggle expressing myself appropriately, right? Like that's just not true. So the tools that I use are some of the things we talked through here, some of the things that my therapist has said is like, why do you care? And I'm like, what do you mean what I care? Of course I care. And she, no, like literally think about why do you care about this phrase? And then when I come, when I like stop even after, and I'm like, why did you care about that? Then I'm thinking, that's not important. That's not important at all. Oh, I love that you talked about the why do you care because this helps us decide what we put on the table or take off the table mm -hmm. i see this a lot in therapy because we kind of interpret that question two different ways you're like well why do you care take it off your table then there's another layer of this keeps getting thrown on my table and i'm having a hard time taking it off and why do you care is like, why is it this thing that you mm -hmm. wrestle with? Yep. Why is this thing a thing that irks you? Because mm -hmm. then it's not just the, why do you care? Why don't you just throw it away? It's, why is this an issue? Right. And that, that healing, that underneath is so much harder to answer the why do you care? Why do you care about that? Why is it bothering you so much? What in your pain and your trauma and your life and your thoughts and your processes does yeah. that matter to you in that way? Yep. <laughs> and that's so hard to answer. It is really hard. The The question that I, the thing that comes through is like, why are you giving this thing power? I'm like, well, shut mm. up. <laughs> I'm giving it power, you know? And then I'm like, well, damn, you are. You're like, yeah. it's taking energy from you to respond to this thing. Yeah. So 
What if it wasn't on your table? And then you ask yourself again, well, why am I allowing this thing on my table? Yeah, exactly. I feel that I am at a better place in terms of expressing myself. But I don't know if it's just because I've been working at it. I also think it's based on how receptive others have been of me in this process. Oh, gosh. Because if you get if you get a crap storm of negative response, it's not useful. You kind of go back into this like repetitive cycle. Well, this is why I say that I could never work anywhere else except for an MHA. And that's an MHA in one of our affiliates or it's MHA national. But wherever I've succeeded, it's always been an MHA because there's something about this organization, the people who show up that understand mental health brains (laughs) that have let me heal the way I have to be in other contexts when I wasn't well. It was an environment where I felt safe and trusting enough to be able to show up without that shame Mm -hmm. at work where I spent most of my time at work. And that, and then, and then it was like, okay, how are you doing this at home? You know, and yeah. now, now I feel safe. Where I'm like, okay, I could go somewhere else and be good enough. But it's really interesting when you say that. That in order to do all this work, you have to have the right environment. Mm-hmm. It really matters because it's the feedback loop, and it's, it's going to tell you whether or not you feedback trash. <laughs> that stifles your curiosity and learning and healing. You know, I I have had conversations where I may be sharing like a viewpoint, right? Like, Teresa, you really hurt me when you said that thing. And the response is like, okay, let's watch TV. You know, it's like, the hell? (laughs) Did you just hear anything that I just said? You know, and so there's no validation to that experience, right? So then yeah. the positive reinforcement needed yeah. helps. Yeah. But that's not always there. That's not always there. So when that's not there, I find other support tools. I find the other supportive people. Okay. When you said that it's not always there, it kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of this thing because we are all human beings and we show up imperfectly all the time. One thing that has really been important for me is if I don't get the reaction I want, I actually have to really tell my brain, don't take it personal. Because to have grace for the person on the receiving end, Mm -hmm. there are so many layers to that. I can empathize and try to understand where they're coming from. I can also just not let it make me feel worse. Mm -hmm. And by not taking it personal, then I can do the one thing that helps control me. Just don't make it worse. Don't make whatever you're perceiving as their inability to do that for you, make it worse. Or if it is at worse, if they didn't just give me what they wanted, but the way they reacted was bad in Mm -hmm. my mind, I got to go sit on the sideline and I got to, I got to work through that. And I have to, I have to try to do the work to not go into a bad space, you know? You have to you have to cut that feedback loop, and and I, and that's totally true, and that's why I think when when we talk about expressing ourselves, it varies in so many ways. There's so many factors that influence how we can express ourselves, and we we can so easily, and this is including me, right? Like where I'm just like, well, you made progress last week. You were great. <laughs> what happened today? You know, and 
then I'm like, hey, you had a stressful week. These things happened, whatever. And it's not to make excuses, but it's to be able to say there are other things that influence your well-being, right? Like you can't just be like a hundred every day. You just can't. It's a lot to chew on. Yeah. Let me tell you where where I am, where I'm landing with this this conversation. I think that I I have made progress. I need to continue to make progress, but I am better equipped at being able to manage my emotions enough that I say what I need to say. Hopefully it comes off in the right way. And when it doesn't, I try to make it better. The takeaway here is I feel like there's a structure to follow. (laughs) So this, like the ability to express oneself appropriately (laughs) has definitely been a looming issue in my life. Mm. And so because of it, I'm try- I could tell my brain is trying to set up rules so I can live by those rules and give the chaos that I feel some pathway. And I think it's aligned with what you just described, right? So if you start from one, two, three, four steps, it's like, are you stressed or chilled out? I mean, I think this is somebody reminded me of the AA halt. Are you hang- hungry, angry? lonely or tired (laughs) like Mm -hmm. why are you pissed and then what's bothering you how do you make sense of that space about why you can or can't let things go or why you might act inappropriately or say things that are inappropriate that's a whole scope of work and therapy (laughs) i think that's the whole element of cognitive behavioral therapy trying to make sense of ourselves and the way we respond and live and exist in the world. And then the other side is the world. And it's how you deal with reactions. I think when you speak about the structure, babe, that you're talking about, it's funny. It's funny how your brain is asking you for that. And my brain normally functions in structure. Yeah. Um, and I think but that's you that's described great. everything relationally. Yeah. <laughs> It's It's like normally we're flipped, which is totally interesting. I know. Why do we do that this time? I don't know. But we express ourselves appropriately. You know, with every podcast episode, I feel like people are just part of a journey in a conversation with us as we try to make sense of the world. Like, what did you say? Yeah. It took us four years to figure out (laughs) what we're doing. (laughs) Well, I want to just thank everybody for kind of being along in this uh series that we're doing so keep on fighting in the open all right guys talk to you all next week thank you bye bye